Hello everyone, this is Imang Shah, your friend at Innovation Sports and Life. Today I have with me Bob Burke. Bob is the amazing author of the book, The Go-Giver, and he's a champion of the Go-Giver Way. Today we are here to learn more about the Go-Giver Way of Life. Bob, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Dr. Heyman. So great to be with you. Yeah, Bob, please call me Heyman. Uh, I think uh, let's just dive in. Uh, All right. You know, your book has been so much impactful, you know, for my life, for my family's life in particular. And, you know, it has, you know, some timeless principles that we all can apply no matter which field we are working in. But you know, instead of me talking about it, I'd rather have the author of the of the book, you know, just share like what is the go-giver or, or what is the go-giver way? Sure. Well, it was a, it's a, a, the book itself is a, a brief parable. So it's in the form of a story and it was co-authored with John David Mann, who's a, a wonderful writer and storyteller. He was really the lead writer. And um, it's about a, a, a young, ambitious, aggressive, up and coming, but very frustrated young salesperson by the name of Joe, who learned some lessons throughout the story uh, that, that basically teaches him that shifting your focus and this really i think the key shifting your focus from getting to giving and when we say giving in this context among we we simply mean constantly and consistently providing immense value to others understanding that doing so is is not only a, a more pleasant way of conducting business a more fulfilling way of conducting business it's also the most financially profitable way as well and you know not for any kind of way out there woo woo magical mystical type of, of reason it, it actually makes very logical very uh, rational sense when you're that person who can take your focus off of yourself and instead place it on uh, serving others, discovering what they need, what they want, what they desire, helping to solve and help them with their challenges, helping to move them closer to happiness, if you will. Well, people feel good about you. People want to get to know you. They like you. They trust you. They, they want to be in relationship with you. They want to do business with you. They want to tell others about you. They want to be your personal walking ambassador. So, so that's really, uh, you know, what the go-giver way is all about. Now, generally, when people think of giving, at least, you know, in the world out there, giving means monetary. You know, do you imply just a monetary... But is that a transaction of, of giving something that here's this person I can help them out with a charity or, or like uh, like a loan? Like is is it monetary or can it be other things? Well, I mean that can be one part, you know, like anything else can be. But no, that's that's not what we we really mean. Again, when you focus on creating value for others, there's many ways to do this. It's it's through time it's through attention it's through counsel it's through education it's through empathy it's through sharing contacts and ideas it's it's you know there's many many ways to do that so while giving charity is certainly a wonderful thing uh that's that's not really what we're talking about here we're really talking about creating relationships with people and uh giving of ourselves in in ways most of which are not even even monetary so if I can dive a bit more into this aspect, 
uh, it means for me to really add value to someone i've got to cultivate like a deep relationship like it can't just be shallow uh, things where i'm like okay i i, I help someone or, or i did one tiny thing for for someone and and got things going for me to truly impact someone's life i've got to you know see what their world looks like and then see if, and then figure out a way to help them get ahead is that correct Wait, and that's a wonderful way of looking at it. And to the degree that you do that, that's the degree that you are going to cultivate that relationship, and you're going to create those no like and that no like and trust feeling toward you. Sure. So, Bob, in your book, you describe five principles. Can you just give us like a quick recap of what those five principles are? Sure. Uh, the five uh, principles are the laws of value, compensation, influence, authenticity and receptivity uh law number one the law of value is all about the experience itself that you provide another person and this is from you know this starts when you first meet that person whether it's through an inbound um uh inquiry on your website or or a call uh, or an outbound call or you meet them at a local event or you know wherever you happen to or through a referral wherever you meet how, wherever and however you meet that person through the the relationship building process, through the follow up and the follow through, through the sales process, the referral process, what have you, it's it's always looking for ways to make that other person's life better and to make the experience okay uh, something very unique, and and that's really what the law of value is all about. To the point that by the time they do buy from you, let's say that happens they have got they have they have received more in value than what they've paid while you've also made a very very healthy profit so in any in any free market based exchange simply meaning no one's forced to do business with anyone else both people do it on their own volition there should always be two profits the buyer profits and the seller profits because each of them come away better off afterwards than they were beforehand uh, the second law is is the law of compensation. This says your income is determined by how many people you serve, as well as how well you serve them. So where law number one talks about all the value you provide, it's also understanding that that value represents your potential income. Law number two represents your actual income because it's about how many lives you impact with that exceptional value. Uh, law number three is the law of influence. This says your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. Uh, not in a self-sacrificial way, not in a, a way that harms you, not in a way that makes you a martyr or a doormat, not at all. It's simply understanding, as we've alluded to a couple of times, that one of the big lessons that Joe, the protege in the story, learned from several of the mentors was what they call the golden rule of business. And that is that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. And, you know, there's, there's just no faster, more powerful, or more effective way to elicit those feelings toward you from others than by genuinely moving from that I focus or me focus to that other focus, looking for ways to, as Sam, one of the mentors in the story, advised Joe, make your win all about the other person's win. 
Uh, law number yeah law number four is the law of authenticity is that this says the most valuable gift you have to offer is yourself uh in in this part of the story deborah davenport shared that all the skills in the world the sales skills technical skills people skills as important as they are and they are all indeed very very important they're also all for naught if you don't come at it from your true authentic core but when you do when you as we like to say show up as yourself day after day week after week month after month people feel comfortable with you people feel safe with you and why wouldn't they they know exactly who they're getting they know who you are they know you stand for something and they know what you stand for and this really you know increases that ability for trust to, to take place and to be maintained and then there's law number five which sort of brings it all together this is the law of receptivity and the law of receptivity says the key to effective giving is to stay open to receive it and this is really uh nothing more than understanding that yeah you breathe out well you know what you've also got to breathe in it, it's not one or the other uh, as human beings, we breathe out carbon dioxide, we breathe in oxygen. We breathe out, which is giving, we breathe in, which is receiving. Giving and receiving are not opposite concepts, even though the world around us would have us think that they are. The negative, very anti-prosperity messages we get from the world around us, you know, would make you think that that rich people are bad, anybody who succeeds in business did so by theft or by treating others better, you know, and hey, it's a big world out there. There's plenty of people who do bad things, but uh, typically that's not the case. I mean, if you look at most people who are able to create a sustainably successful business, they did it through a food, because remember, in a, especially to the degree that a free market is allowed to operate, no one's forced to do business with anyone else, right? So they're not gonna do business with you because you want the money. They're going to do business with you because they believe it's going to be beneficial for them to do it right and so so you know most people who are who make a sustainably very very good living do so because their focus has been on the giving but they've also allowed the receiving so that's the key that that you know money is simply an echo of value uh it's the you know the thunder to values lightning really which means that the giving must be the focus that comes first the the value you receive is a natural result of that so this is why we say that giving and receiving are simply two sides of the very same coin and they work in tandem you got to focus on the giving then allow yourself to receive you know this is really a law of nature right we 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 uh, plant before we harvest right we sow before we reap well we give before we receive and but we do need to allow ourselves to receive and when we do it, it kind of you know results in prosperity for all because the more we give the more we receive which allows us to give even more which allows us to receive even more and it creates a, a bigger pie for everyone involved and increased prosperity for the masses bob what you describe is very impactful and 
you know, I'm an engineer first. I've been one, I guess, all my life. And there's a, a concept we talk about as the systems mindset. And mm-hmm. I think just expands that probably at the life level that, you know, you want to add value to others. You've got to think of end to end, but you also got to sustain yourself. You got to sustain your energy. And uh-huh. you get that feedback, which could be in the form of compensation, it could be other things that you receive. Yep. You know, it could be fuel for your body. Absolutely. So until, if you're not able to run, how will you help others run? And exactly. how will you help others, you know, drive their impact? Exactly. Yeah, great point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Bob, I guess coming also again from an engineer's mindset, there are some things in the, in the value from an implementation side, which are a bit easy to to do and easy to measure, I would say. For example, compensation, right? You can look at your annual financial statements and say, okay, here's what I did, here's how I can do better and so on. Yes. How do I measure, let's say, the value I'm adding to someone? Is there like a scorecard you suggest? How do I implement that in my life? Well, I think, you, I, I think what happens is that the value you add to others' lives comes back to you in the form of financial compensation. So, you know what I'm saying? So it, it's really, um, uh, I'm trying to, I have his book up there. Um, oh, and I'm looking to see it. It was, uh, oh, it was a ra- the rabbi who wrote Thou Shalt Prosper, and I'm just not thinking of his name right now. I have his book right up there. I'm so sorry. Uh, oh, Rabbi Daniel Lappin, who said that, that money is sort of a certificate of thanks for the, the value you've provided me, right? So, you know, I buy something from you because I believe it's of great value, right? It's more certainly more value to me to buy it than it is to not buy it, right? It's something I want. It's something I maybe need. It's something I desire. I want it more than I want the money, right? So I exchange it with you. So these dollars or rupees or whatever, it doesn't matter, whatever the, or euros or pesos or whatever the, the currency, okay? is simply a certificate of thanks <laughs> for adding value to my life. And that's how we can measure. That's how we can measure in a logical, rational way the value we're providing. Uh, how many people's lives are we impacting in such a way that they are willingly exchanging their money for the value that they're receiving from us? Understood. Thank you. Thank you for my, that. Thank you. So again, going a bit further into how our lives have evolved or are, or are evolving with, let's say, the amount of social media influence, both your participants as well as recipients of that. Do you think it's easy to maintain authenticity? Because I think that's one of the areas where I think there's a there's a challenge as you practice the go-giver way. That let's say you you start helping other people and even uh, probably even before social media, right? If, if someone got really famous mm-hmm. and then there would be this limelight and then uh, they're forced to change themselves. How, how does one kind of try to stay in that swim lane that, hey, I'm, you know, not like you're at the center, you're not like rigid, but you allow yourself some degree of flexibility so that you don't lose yourself. Uh, I think, it, as you said, it was this way before social media. Social media has just provided a bigger platform, you know, for people to, to, you know, post 
<clears throat> for others to see, you know, what they, they want to see. But I think like anything else, I think social media just causes you to be more of what you already are. So if you're an authentic human being, if you're a humble human being, if you're, you know, what have you, I think you're going to be that way on social media. You know, social media doesn't make you do anything you don't want to do. If you're the type of person who wants others to think that you are more than you really are, well, you're going to probably do that on social media. Just like the person who, you know, went out and the neighbor who went out and got a, a expensive car so that people could see how much how wealthy they are, even if they, you know, shouldn't have gotten that car because they couldn't afford anything else, right? Well, now that person just takes a picture of that car and puts it on on uh, one of the social media platforms. So it's really the same same concept. It's just more so because you've got more places to to do that. So I want to segue into combining both social media and this hustle culture, which focuses more on these side gigs. Do you, are you familiar with this world? And, and if you are, do you see that it's taking people away from the giving mindset to a more of a getting mindset that I want this, I want this. And that's why I need to have all these gigs. No, I, I don't think it, it, it is contrary to being a go-giver because remember the, the whole aspect of this is that in order to, to, in this case, let's say earn a lot more money, you've got to provide a lot more value to a lot more people. So if if someone is taking on another job or another, uh, or uh, not even another job, but they're building a business part-time, they're doing it because they're pursuing happiness their own way. Remember, it's not the money that they're even after. It's what the money can do for them. It's what the money can do, whether it's for their family, whether it's to give more to charity, whether it's to buy a bigger home, whether I mean, people pursue happiness, however they see fit, as long as they're not doing anything illegal, unethical, or immoral, that's not for us to judge. It's, it's for us to understand that people all value different things differently. I, I have no issue with that at all. I think that's a great thing. Um, it's the, the point though, is that in order for them to succeed, they've got to find a way to bring value to the marketplace. And in navigating all these roads, you know, to, to our individual successes, sometimes we need help. I would say all the time we, we need, or we don't need someone that's just tagging along with us all the time, but we need advisors, we need mentors. Sure. What do you suggest are the best ways to find a mentor? Uh, well, I mean, I, I, I think the best way to find a mentor, first of all, to, to, is to, to seek out those who have accomplished either specifically what you want have want to accomplish or the principle involved uh, in other words they may do something totally different from what you do but they seem to live a life that you admire right whether it's that person has done well financially as well as seems to be healthy and seems to have a happy family and seem, you know in other words the principles that they the values that they have are similar, are congruent with your values. And that's always a, uh, you know, a, a neat person to be able to learn from. Uh, I think the key is to approach a, a person who would, you would like to mentor you, approach them not in a way that says you're entitled to their help because you're not, right? But to approach them in such a way that you respect the process and that you want to make it as easy for them as you can to be able to 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 help you and so that's why when approaching someone i would you know i would go in and say 
you know, uh, I realize you are very busy. And if you either don't have the time to do this or for any reason would rather not, I'll absolutely understand. I'm wondering if I might ask you one or two very specific questions. Now, let me go through that and just explain why this is such a, um, a typically more successful way of, of attaining a yes as opposed to just saying to somebody, hey, will you be my mentor? <laughs> because the chances are, if you're seeking that person out to be your mentor, many other people are seeking them out as well, and they, they don't have the time to be able to you know, help everybody, mentor everybody. Plus, to just ask, will you be my mentor? It's sort of like asking for the marriage before asking for a first date. Because a mentor-protege relationship is just that. It's a relationship. It builds over time. It's not something that you just, you know, have. I mean, every so often it happens, but very rarely. I, I wouldn't approach it that way. When you um, say to this person that, you know, you understand if they're too busy or for whatever reason would rather not, that's what I call giving them the out or the back door. You're... You, rather than painting them into a corner, you're letting them know that you understand, you know, this is maybe not something that they wanted. To, here's the thing. The bigger the out or back door you give someone to take, typically the less they'll feel the need to take it because they realize just from your doing that and saying that, that you're going to have more respect for their time than someone else who just asks and feels entitled, you know, to their, their help. What you also did, which is very powerful, is rather than just saying, you know, can I, uh, in the States, there's a saying, you know, can I pick your brain, right? Which is just, you know, or, or you know, can I just ask you a bunch of questions or, you know, you're saying, can I ask you one or two very specific questions? And now this says to that person, okay, this this young man or young woman they know what they want to ask. They're not going to waste my time with a bunch of senseless, foolish questions. They're not going to just want to pick my brain. They know what it is that, right? And so there's a, a lot more respect they're going to have in that regard. Now, before you meet with them, of course, you want to make sure you've researched them well enough that you don't ask them anything that you could have found out through, you know, your, your research. And you want to make sure that you, you don't take up too much of their time, that you totally respect the process. You let them know how appreciative you are and how you look forward to applying their wisdom. And if it would be all right with you, I'll, I'll follow up in, you know, a few weeks and kind of let you know how things are going to say, yeah, of course, please let me know. Now that very day, I would write a, a handwritten personalized thank you note, and not a text or an email, but a personal, a handwritten note. Uh, just a short one, thanking them. It was so wonderful of you to take your time. Your wisdom is priceless. I look forward to applying it right away. And as we discussed, I'll keep in touch and let you know how things are going. You know, best regards, sign your name, put it in a, an envelope, regular stamp, send it. And that's going to be a big. Now, uh, another great thing you can do is find out their favorite charity or cause, which you can find out online or asking their assistant or whatever. And what you want to do is make a very, it doesn't have to be big, but a small donation to their favorite charity. Okay. Uh, you know, if, if they're on the board of directors of a local animal rescue, or they just, you know, that that's a, that they're an animal uh, enthusiast uh, advocate, then 
make a, a donation in their name. Again, it doesn't have to be big, but uh, make a donation in their name. It will get back to them. They'll be notified. A donation was made in their name from so-and-so. They'll appreciate that. They'll know that you, again, care about adding value to their lives, even in a small way right now. And then, you know, again, you'll follow up with them in a few weeks and maybe it will turn into a, an ongoing mentor-protege relationship. Maybe not. Maybe that will be, maybe it'll be one or two conversations and then you'll meet someone else and someone else and who knows. You, what you want to do is, is go about it the right way, but without attachment to the, to the results. And Bob, if I am working with a mentor over a period of time, uh, I love the idea of making a donation you know, to their favorite cause or charity. But over time, how do I add value to the mentor? Because mm -hmm. that's the go-giver way, right? That if sure. that person is helping me get ahead, I also mm -hmm. want to add some value to them. How do I go about that? Yeah, and, and, and remember, even that personal note you sent and that small donation adds value in some way. Thanking them adds value in some way. Um, doing what they suggest and being successful adds value to them in some way. But you can go above and beyond that. You may have a skill set that they don't have. You may be great with, uh, on, you know, with with coding or the internet or you know whatever it is, and and you know that their website could use kind of a some help, right? And so you volunteer to just do that. For them you know you don't charge them for it you do it because you'd like to to you know to add some value to them or you know you you maybe are able to introduce them to somebody who might be able to in some way serve them there's lots of ways as you go along but typically in a mentor protege relationship it is understood that that person is in a greater position right now to do for you than you are to do for them but you still always want to keep in mind what you can do for them. And a lot of it just has to do with the gratitude that you express, okay? And making them look good through being a good student. And then, of course, you will end up doing the same for someone else one day, and that's how we all kind of just, um, you know, expand the world and expand prosperity for all. Bob, that's such a wonderful note. I know we could keep on continuing this discussion. I've truly learned a lot from you today. Thank you. So just that, that words at the, at the very end, right? which is making the world a better place. We're all participants. And I think The Go-Giver is, is, as I said, a timeless book, but also a book where these values are practically implementable by everyone. So thank you so much for hitting upon that spark of brilliance and then you know making it digestible in an easy way for all of us. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate that so much. Yeah.